0: is from the Springs. This is the Rorschach Argentina update from the 7th of July 2022. A quick summary of what's going down in Argentina. In what seems to be one of the most chaotic weeks in the year, Economy Minister Martin Guzman resigned from his position with a letter addressed to President Fernandez. News broke out on Saturday the 2nd, and while he wasn't specific on the reasons that led to his resignation, he did call on the President to mend internal divisions so that his replacement will not suffer the same difficulties he did. Despite managing to disagree with the IMF on a deal that prevented Argentina from defaulting, Guzman had been facing hostility from certain sectors in his own party. In fact, many tried to boycott the agreement. It all boils down to the fact that the president and the vice president seemed to be leading opposite teams within the same coalition, and Guzman was on the president's side. Him stepping down represents a huge blow to Alberto Fernandez, who is said to have lost the upper hand. A day after the resignation, the president tapped Silvina Batacas as economy minister, who was serving in the interior ministry and had previously been economy minister of the Buenos Aires province. The decision came after lengthy meetings between President Fernandez, Vice President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, and lower house speaker Sergio Masta and many found their resolution very surprising. That said, the designation is mostly seen as a victory for the left wing of the coalition, aligned with the VP. After taking the oath of office, Batacas said she believes in the liberation of all productive forces in the country and that she will follow the plan that her predecessor was setting out. She also explained that Argentina needs more exports to revalue its currency. The market, however, reacted negatively to the news. On Monday the 4th, the peso depreciated sharply, and the price of a dollar in the parallel market reached 280 pesos, almost 20% higher than the previous Friday. This is the result of speculation surrounding the political crisis, the uncertainty regarding the new minister's plans, and the possibility of a far-left turn considering Batakas' record. Moreover, economists worry that the $44 billion dollar agreement with the IMF may be in jeopardy. Many hold this negative reaction against the government, accusing them of failing to choose a candidate that the market finds safe. The truth is, Markets tend to react like this in the face of any change, but they especially do so when a far-left leader is appointed. The problem is, everything seems to be on hold until people decide what to do with the sudden depreciation of the peso. Citizens are rushing to buy expensive things before prices are adjusted. Suppliers are refusing to sell commodities until further notice, which leads to shortages in shops and so on. Most likely, we'll have to wait it out. A curious thing that some noticed in the face of the depreciation of the peso is that savers in the northern part of the country are resorting to the Bolivian peso. Due to the proximity with the northern provinces, the Bolivian currency is more accessible than the dollar. In La Quiaca, which has an international bridge that connects both countries, people from Bolivia can pay for goods with their own currency, from clothing and household appliances to food. Speaking of resignations, the Argentine Pope Francis shut down his own resignation rumors that had been going around for a few months. He admitted that he would consider stepping down if his health made it impossible for him to run the church, but that's not the case. The 85-year-old pontiff assured the Reuters news agency that he plans to remain in his position for the foreseeable future. He also said that it was untrue that he had been diagnosed with cancer, something that some had been speculating with since he had his colon surgery a year ago. From resignations to layoffs, the government put an end to the state of labor emergency prompted by the pandemic. This means that it will not renew the double severance decree which aimed at discouraging layoffs during the pandemic crisis. Beyond all this crisis talk, though, there's a silver lining. According to The Economist, which releases its Global Livability Index every year, Buenos Aires topped the list of Latin American and the Caribbean's most livable cities, and it's the only one in the region that entered the highest categories. To earn the first place, The Economist evaluated things like education quality, infrastructure, health services, and sustainable development. To check the Livability Index, follow the link in the show notes. Speaking of developments, remember the cross-country pipeline that would stretch from the Vaca Muerta shale patch in Patagonia to the province of Buenos Aires? Well, the $1 billion plan is still on, but at risk now that the top government official alleged there was corruption in a tender to supply steel pipes a federal prosecutor and judge are now investigating the allegations back to the most livable cities ranking it's the access to free college education that has historically made the city so attractive for foreigners but despite the development of the so-called cultural industries it seems that blue-collar labor is on the rise according to the National Institute of statistics and census for each Each new job requesting a college graduate, four openings are created for workers with little or no formal schooling. With a working population of 29 million out of the 47 million inhabitants, only 40% of the total number of workers have a third-level education or a university degree. In addition to free college education, the cultural offering is probably the second reason why many choose to live in Buenos Aires. On that note, the historic Confiteria del Molino has reopened its doors to the public after 25 years. Located at the intersection of the streets Cachao and Rivadavia, this iconic building was originally constructed in 1916 in Buenos Aires City and has restaurants, cafes, and pastry shops. Its right Restoration was a four year process and it's now open for visitors who wish to tour the building. If you're interested, be sure to make a booking as no visitors will be allowed without a reservation, which you can make using the link in our show notes. Another place worth visiting, albeit just outside the city, is the Lucy Matos Museum in Becar, San Isidro. This week, the iconic painter and human rights activist Adolfo Perez Esquivel opened a new exhibition showcasing almost all of his work from the 1950s to today. There's a strong political component to his work, which you'll appreciate in paintings of Iraq, Hiroshima, and modern Argentine history. And since we brought up history, remember that this Saturday, the 9th, is Argentina's Independence Day. If you're getting a déjà vu with May Revolution Day, which is celebrated on the 25th of May, you're not fully wrong. These two holidays celebrate the independence from Spain, but while the 25th of May marks the establishment of the first local government, the 9th of July was when the independence was fully declared. In other words, it was the day the independence process that had started in May was finally finished. That's it for this week. Would you like us to include a section about the best places to visit in Argentina during the winter or during the summer? Let us know at argentina at roarshot.com. Nos vemos la próxima semana.